Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. My name is Dan Rubin, joined as always by my co-host A.J. Black. Tonight's simulcast on uh, FanCred Live. It's a pleasure to be bringing it to you, though. Before we were on, on the behind-the-scenes look, I said, there are just some things I just don't care about. And that's why we're opening up with the man, the myth, and the legend. There's a Flutie who is quarterback Boston College to a victory, A.J. I don't know what to do with myself. It's a Flutie miracle. It's like Festivus all over again. Dan, I swear, if I have to listen to one more media outlet talk about Flutie magic, I'm going to barf all over my laptop. Really. I mean, the poor kid. I said it on on the site. You know, he struggled. He had his ups and downs, like both he and Jeff Smith. But this Flutie magic crap. Like, BC didn't win because of Flutie magic. BC won because of a stout defense and John Hilleman uh, rushing with one foot. Yep. That, that, that is how we are. Uh, that is exactly right. We're, we're fiery and ornery already. That didn't take long, roughly a couple of minutes into the show, but really you, you, I open up, open up the show with that kind of tongue in cheek joke about Troy Flutie. And I don't mean to pick on the poor kid, but that's something that I said earlier this week. It's something that we'll get to. It's kind of the predominant storyline coming out of NIU is the story is the, the narrative at least was originally about Troy Flutie, about Jeff Smith, who was the starting quarterback, who did better, what should BC do? But all of that has now changed. Now that said, we still have to throw our little troll piece in there and, and, and throw a little something at you for, for the Troy Flutie love or for the Jeff Smith love. Um, but you're absolutely right that, you know, at this point, talking about it is we need a new topic to talk about. Well, good news, AJ, we got one. John Hilleman's out with a fractured foot. 
he's done for the foreseeable future. I don't think he's out for the year. They, they, nobody has labeled him out for the year, but fractured foot, out for the foreseeable future. Marcus Outlow, Miles Willis, both injured. BC ends the game with Tyler Rouse as the only healthy running back, and we use the term healthy uh, kind of in a in quotation marks there because he took a nasty lick during the game, passed all the concussion protocols, and was clearly let back on the field. But the injury is starting to mount, and to be honest with you, you know, this is not a uh, – you thought the situation was bad last week. At least you could rely on the running game. And now BC might not even be able to do that. There's guys hurt all over the place. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. You know, um, the Hilleman injury, I think BC can can manage past that. But what really worries me about BC's running back injuries is the bank the, that Miles Willis and Marcus Outlow are banged up. And I don't I, – I mean, I haven't read a lot because I've been busy this week. But, it, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Outlow. I know Willis has been kind of off and on because of the, the kissing disease. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I, it, scares, it scares me a little bit um, to go into any ACC game with Tyler Rose being your, your go-to back. I mean, I know the coaches are very positive on him, and what we've seen has been pretty good lately. But, I mean, even he's banged up. I mean, that injury we saw on uh, – on Saturday did not look very good. And I have no idea how he was cleared to come back into that game, but. Whew. Yeah. That, uh, Bye, fan the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it is a, uh, it is a interesting, interesting, interesting uh, set of circumstances when we're talking about concussion protocols, but it, as, as Eagle in Atlanta posted and has, uh, and how, um, uh, BC Heights, the the student newspaper, also I think was the first to report it. Um, it's an independent protocol. It's done by medical staff, not by the coaching staff. Um, it's all outsourced outside to the medical staff. Uh, the medical staff obviously is you know has their protocols. It, it's a big deal to go through a concussion protocol. And you know Tyler Rouse passed it. Well, it doesn't matter how bad it looked. He uh, he clearly didn't have any lingering injury. Maybe got the stars knocked into him a little bit and was not a full concussion. Uh, otherwise, I doubt he would have been let back into the game. So good to see him get back on his feet after a nasty lick. Now, we, we dial it back to how we opened up the broadcast because there's a lot that we need to get to here. We talked about the quarterback situation and kind of the unfair pressure. We joke about it and, and, and how bad it really gets when we're talking about guys like um, Troy Flutie or when we're talking about things like the uh, the issues that BC has had at that type of position, so you know it's it, it, or 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 Jeff Smith, that's the name I was looking for. But you know, it's it's one game, it's a small sample size, and I'm very interested to see what happens moving forward. You know, taking away the running game, it's very interesting to see what could happen next. What do you think? Yeah, I I mean. I, I'm, I'm more interested to see where this offense is going to go. Um, uh, clearly, there was injuries that came up. There were, um, you know, they're not playing at their, the level that they should at this, you know, at this point of the season. But I, I'm looking for improvement. I want to see, you know, the offensive line. You know, I, I want to see what Troy Flutie can do with an offensive line that isn't falling apart every, you know, three seconds. I want to see what Jeff Smith does when he's not dribbling the basketball down the court, uh, down the field. You know, he looked like he, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> bounced it on the turf that one game, that one play. 
Yep, and then he fumbled the handoff at one point. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I think the, the two interesting factors going into this game that are going to make things a little different than they were last week is that it's going to be a road game. They're playing it on the road, and I know Duke is not the most, uh, you know, hostile environment to go into. I think they had like 20,000 for the game against Georgia Tech next last week. And it's going to rain, which I think is going to affect attendance again and make it harder for both offenses to move the ball. So I think those two big things are going to be a major factor going into this game. Well, big show on tap today. we got a couple guests that are going to be joining us. We have first, we'll be tuning in, uh, Brittany Taylor Newman, our, our one of our new favorite guests from uh, football.com. She'll be tuning in to talk Boston College and Duke and all things ACC. And then we'll be joined by Joey Weaver from, from the Rumble Seat. He is uh, one of the writers over there for the Georgia Tech blog, and he'll actually give us a very different uh, perspective on things. Normally we talk to the opponent that we're facing the blog and get the positive spin. We're going to get a very different narrative uh, talking to a Georgia Tech guy who uh, essentially had their season early on, their hope of a New Year's Six game, wiped out without a little bit of help. They're going to need some help to get the rest of the way. Uh, so Joey Weaver will join us from, from the Rumble seat, and uh, that's coming up at 8.30 with Joey and 8.15 with Brittany Taylor Newman. But we got calls already calling in. Make sure you call in at 646-200-0446. We keep it in the 781 area code. First off, you are live with Dan and AJ talking BC football. Thanks for calling in. Hello. 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 You got us. You are live on the air. How's it going? Very good. Thank you. Uh, what's up? My question is, uh, uh, is uh, what do you think about the the uh, the ability to to stop Duke, um, their the, their combination of uh, run and pass. Uh, you know, well, I think that, the, uh, uh, AJ, I'm going to cut you off on that one because I, I actually have been doing some homework and I'm all juiced up for the start of the show anyway. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be a very interesting challenge for the defense. Uh, they're facing a quarterback that can really take off. He's the leading rusher on the team. Um, and he's also got a pair. He's also got some good running backs back there. They got three touchdowns against Georgia tech, uh, from, uh, running back Shaquille Powell, um, I think it's going to be a very good, tough test, and and you know you got to make them beat you somehow, and uh, that's been a that's been something good for the defense. Anytime you say uh, we got to make the other team beat us with the offense, AJ, what do you think? Yeah, I think I, I, you know the one thing that I would be really positive about going into this game, I think BC's defense is going to be able to hold any team at this point. Um, looking at the schedule ahead of us, I think the only offense that really worries me would be Notre Dame and maybe in Clemson. You know, they're two dynamic offenses. But, you know, I think Duke has had success. Um, but I think the weather is going to be a major factor. I think it's going to really take the, the passing game out of the out of, uh, out of of their game plan. If it's really raining a lot, it's going to be hard for them to grip the football. They're going to have to run, and that runs right into the teeth of BC defense. So I think going into that game, I think, you know, we're looking at a low-scoring game, um, and I think BC – you know, if they can keep that defense going, it may be able to give them a chance to win it. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, and 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 they, um, thanks thanks for calling in. Uh, you know, we we kick things off here every week, so uh, be sure to call in. Give us your thoughts on the game too. What do you think for uh, for BC Duke? What's your expectation? Well, the thought the thought just came to me was with the weather, uh, the stadium, the turf in the stadium. Is it a, is it is it a grass field or is it is it a, is it a turf field? 
Uh, that is a fantastic question. Let me because they just renovated it this year um, and and made some changes. I believe it is still full blown grass. It is okay. not turf. It is full blown grass. So that's going to make things uh, very interesting. Be, and it's very different for BC to be on a field like that too, because we've been playing on a turf field right along. So that that would be a difference for us. But I think that might be an interesting aspect of it in terms of BC being able to play on a a field that's, you know, a grass field versus the, the turf they used to. And uh, I, the, the weather definitely will be a factor. But I, I appreciate your analysis, though. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, absolutely. Thank you, Thank, thank you for calling in. Absolutely. Uh, you can call in with us, 646-200-0446. Again, we're going to be joined in a couple of minutes by Brittany Taylor Newman from uh, the uh, from football.com. We're going to be joined a little later by Joey Weaver. From from the Rumble seat, AJ. As we get settled in here a little early, there's some interesting points. We, we're going to try to get to all of them over the course of the day. The stadium, the renovations that were made, the surface, uh, the type of game that we're in for on Saturday. But let's start off with the NIU game. Like I said, we hit the ground running um, earlier on. We had our jokey pieces, uh, you know, a little serious talk of one on one about the the injuries. But this was really the first time against NIU that we were able to see the team that Boston College maybe can be uh, the rest of the season. Obviously, the injury to Darius Wade changed the dynamic, uh, but as we, as we settle in for the long haul here on the season, this was the type of team and the type of game plan we can kind of expect because NIU is going to be more like some of the teams that BC are going to face this year. Yeah, you know, that was the first, you know, FSU is a team, you know, a top 10 team. You're not going to be facing top 10 teams every year, uh, every week. And I think that game was, you know, very um, abnormal because we lost our quarterback. There was, it was just – it was a very disjointed game. Um, the game against NAU was still pretty disjointed. I didn't feel like the offense clicked at all. But, you know, I think it was a good measurement of what BC is able to do. Because NIU um, is a good team. They, they held their own against – uh, Ohio State, they, you know, they have a history of being very successful. I think they've won 53 games or something in the last five years. They've been to the Orange Bowl. So I think, you know, history in itself, they're a good team to measure their, your team against because teams like Wake Forest and NC State, which I still am not sold on, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, those are all teams around that same area. So I think it really gave BC a good uh, gauge of where they're going to be um, in those later games this season, and a good starting point. So Adazio can look at his team and see where they need to improve. We're going to jump back to the calls real quick before we get to Brittany. 617 area code, we got you live. You are on with Dan and AJ. Thanks for calling in. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in with us. What do you got for us? Yeah, quick question regarding Adazio's offense. I'm actually not too big of a fan of it. It's something that – you know, as a, as a BC guy, it's not brought up a lot, but it seems like he's really going away from the trend of what a lot of the successful college teams are doing. I mean, I was at the Florida State game. The defense played fine, but to, to load up on tight ends and load up the backfield and expect to wham it right at Florida State and, and expect to upset them, I, I just don't think that's something that's going to happen. Really, I think I think he's trying to run the Tim Tebow offense without Tim Tebow from Florida, to be honest with you. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I, I, we look. We've we've talked about the when we talk about the play calling. Uh, you know, the first no, two no, years, it's it or no, or in I'm terms not of talking the, about play calling. I'm I'm talking just, about offense 
teams. Those are two different things. I just don't expect – I don't understand how in this age of college football you can throw the ball 12 times, you know, and expect to be effective, give or take. You know, Georgia Tech's offense is a little bit different because it's triple option, but I'm just not a big fan of Adazio's offense, not necessarily the play caller. I don't understand okay. how you cannot spread it out at this, at this age of college football. Fair enough, and and I think that's a and I think that's something that you know gets debated a lot on our on our board. Um, you know, it's one of those things where when he was hired, Steve Adazio, and throughout his entire tenure, he had that with Florida. He was definitely that type of, of player. That I mean, they passed a little more. He played up to his type of to the staff that he not, had. Not, not for nothing. Number one, uh, don't you think anybody could have won with the talent that he had in Florida, seeing the Hernandez, Tebow, and I think the guy Dempsey was down there. And number two, I think it was Urban Meyer that was running the offense in Florida as we see now. So I think I think to 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 do what he was doing in Florida was work is a little a little different. Uh I disagree with that on the basis that Urban Meyer before he was uh was a a defensive back and while he was a wide receivers coach, he was known as he's known more of you know, he's he runs the same offense at Ohio State that he did run at Florida. However, Temple ran the same offense that they ran at Florida. Uh, BC is running the same offense that they run at Florida. So I understand. I, I understand kind of where you're coming from on this. However, I, I and believe me, I understand that if you like the way, if you want it done a certain type of way in with the offense, and you want it run a certain way, you're not going to like the way that Steve Adazio does it. However, this is the way that he is committed to, and this is what he has worked on installing. I think it's a little unfair to look at the team this year and say, well. What year this is, is what year I, is this? I, okay. this is the third year, and it's a thir- and it's a totally well, different defense than it was. No, it's a totally different hard. offense. It's a totally different offense than it was in year one, and it's a little bit of a different offense than it was in year two because you have totally different personnel. You're looking at right. this as being starting point of the way that he was. And look, I get it. You asked my opinion. I gave I gave you my opinion. We have a call coming in from our person that we have to get to. So if you'd like to call back later, by all means. If you'd like to call back next week. By all means, but we do have a guest that we have to get to. Thanks a lot for taking me. All right. Absolutely. Thanks again for calling in. And, AJ, before we get to our call, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, you know. (laughs) Dan, you're fired up today. (laughs) I'm a little fired up because this is what we've been dealing with all week. And believe me, I get it. I get the frustration with the offense. I get the frustration with the play calling. You can't separate the offensive mindset from the play calling. I get it. We were frustrated with the play calling. We were frustrated on Saturday. We were frustrated against Florida State. But this is what they have committed to. This is what Steve Adazio has committed to. I'm not defending it. Would I like to see BC have the personnel to throw 70 times a game and score 55 points like Texas Christian? Of course I would. But that's not the personnel. And this is year one. They ran the ball with Andre Williams and Chase Reddick and and Alex Amadon. They had that power running pro style in year one. They had Tyler Murphy in an all-option run year two. This is the first year he's had his own guys. Yeah, you know, this is what he wanted. This is what Adazio is doing. I, I, if you agree with it or you disagree with it, um, I don't know. It's we're gonna. Ha- I, we need to see. We need to see more of a body of work from this. You know, it's not fair to just blast, blast it left and right. Unless, unless you truly don't agree with a run-first offense, which if you don't, there's nothing that I can say that's going to change that. And I'm not here to no. defend the offense. I'm just here to say this is the way that it is. Anywho, yep, exactly. 
we got to go to our, uh, which I, I knew, I just had that feeling that if I took a call before we got to our for the start of our guests, I was going to pay for that. I paid for it a little bit because now we're running a little behind. But anyhow, we're going to get to the phones. And with the call that's coming in, we welcome in Brittany Taylor Newman from football.com. Um, Brittany is stepping into apparently a Boston College firestorm tonight. I hear that. I hear that. I love your fans. I love how fired up they are. It makes for great radio. <laughs> well, here's here's my all right. I'll, before we get to anything else, are you do you enjoy the run first offense, the pass first offense? Do you agree that the that the option run is just not going to work in college football, or do you or do you see it working? What's your thought? I'm going to go outside the Boston College fan base here and just throw that question to you. Gotcha. Um, I I have traditionally been a fan of it. I think what's interesting this year is we're really kind of seeing some um, obvious examples of when it's not working. So I also understand the argument that it's not going to work going forward, that the day and age that we're in now and the way that defenses are starting to run, um, perhaps it's getting you know outdated. I've traditionally been a fan of it. I think as long as you can win with it, then rock it. But right now there are people that are going to be looking at you know Georgia Tech and, and Boston College and other schools and I understand the argument that hey it's not working so uh you know I I hope that we don't lose it completely because it's a lot of fun to watch but I see the argument yeah and 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 like and like I said it's not I guess it's not our job to defend the the coach I mean when we say we're not defending the coaches people take us when we're trying to explain it as uh as being a defense of the coaches and I don't feel that's what we're doing but I feel like that's how it sometimes gets taken I'm sure you get that down there in uh in Florida Oh, absolutely, especially when talking about Florida teams. I don't think you were so much defending the coach, though, as as much as you were just stating, you know, I I think you understood your caller's viewpoint, but you were saying this is what he's running. This is what he's going to do. We're going to be looking at this the rest of the season. So now we're at a point where we got to figure out how to make that work. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Are are you a fan of it? Do you like it? Or are you living with it as a Boston College fan? This is what we got. we got to make it work. Yes. I can jump in. <laughs> yes. The answer to that question is yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm always in the background here kind of lurking around. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I have to say when it's working well, I'm a big fan of it because, you know, before we hired Steve Adazio, BC went through a couple of years with Spaziani where it was just, you know, line chase Reddick up, run the spread and, you know, huck the ball all over the field. And as interesting and, you know, as that could be where they would get yards, there were tons of turnovers. The defense was gassed because they were getting off the field in, you know, 10 seconds because they would go, you know, three incomplete passes. So I think I I personally like this identity a little bit more. I think once it's clicking and once we have the personnel set up and uh, matured enough to understand the offense and really, you know, get it moving, I think people will like it more. Um, I think it'll open up a little bit more, and I think the pass will come with it, too. I think, you know, it, it's not working right now because nothing's working. <laughs> the offensive mm-hmm. line isn't blocking. They can't move the ball. Their offense, you know, their quarterback's out. So, uh, you know, I, I think fans forget where their expectations were at the beginning of the season, which was that this is a young team. They're going to make mistakes, um, and they just want to win now, and I, I get that, but I, I'm – it's a long answer, but yes, I like it. <laughs> well, we brought you, we brought you on to talk some Boston College and Duke, and that's apparently how we're uh, we're gonna we're, we will get to that. I, I do promise we will get to that. 
when it, we're talking about this week and we're talking about Boston College and, and NIU, um, when you look at Boston College in general and you look at the way that this season has already started playing out, um, how important is it for BC in terms of the injuries that they've taken to be able to try and cull something together or is it something where at some point the injuries might be too much? We hear Steve Adazio say, you know, we're not complaining, we're not complaining, we're not complaining. But at the same time, he's saying there's a lot of injuries. Which kind of side is it if you're, if you're a coach? I think at the moment, um, it, you know, if I'm Adazio, I'm still thinking we can overcome this. I mean, the, the loss of John Hilleman is a huge hit. There's no denying that. That's, that's an issue. Um, but... I think that you're right at that cusp of the season where you could see some other players really begin to step up. Um, some other guys that have been contributors, but maybe not carried the load quite like John Hillman uh, did guys like Tyler Rouse and miles um, Willis, things like that. So if you see those players sort of seize this opportunity and begin to step up, then I think it's manageable and you can, you know, tough it out. I think if those guys have peaked, if some of your other guys, and especially, you know, for this week, you're you're going to need to look at you know putting the ball in the air a little bit more. It's going to be harder to get the run through this particular game. So oh, do you have receivers that step up to the plate? I think if you've got some guys that have worked through the off season, got settled into their routine, and they start to emerge, then this is manageable. And this is right about the time of year, end of September, beginning of October, where new leaders begin to emerge. So if there's guys that seize the opportunity, I'm not going to be worried if I'm a Dazio. If those guys are already operating at max capacity, then those injuries are, are really going to play a much bigger role. When we're, when we're talking about the, uh, the Eagles and uh, meeting expectations of this year, they're three and one, but the way it sounds around here, sometimes you'd think that it was a, uh, that, you know, the sky was falling a little bit on, on Boston college. Now, when we're talking about a BC or we're talking about, um, you know, being three and one at this point, the rest of the season, they still got to be able to come up with a win somewhere against the team they probably, quote unquote, shouldn't beat. Who are some of the teams that kind of might be vulnerable given the power running game and strong defense? Who are kind of susceptible to those two types of things? Well, um, I'd be interested to see. You know, Notre Dame spent a lot of time in the off season, quote unquote, preparing for the run game. Um, I would be very interested to see if they kind of lose focus on that as they progress throughout their season and, you know, suddenly find themselves, because that's one of those things. I mean, they spent a lot of time in the off season, like I said, getting ready for Georgia tech who they saw early um, as you're going week to week though, and preparing for weekly opponents, it could be very easily easy to kind of lose sight of that. Um, so I'd be interested to see how they fare, especially at that point in the season when, because you're not playing them till the end, like third week in November, I believe it is. So at that point you've got injuries and things like that as that have come into play. So um, I'd be interested to see that game, especially because that would be such a clutch win for Boston College and such a fun game to win at, um, just because of the location and everything. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see that. And also Louisville, I think, is one that it, it wouldn't be a notable win, but I think it could be a game where um, the run game really could overpower that Louisville team. They've been struggling a lot more than I think anybody expected them to coming into the season. So uh, as far as a notable win that I think could surprise people, I would keep an eye on that Notre Dame game. We're talking with Brittany Taylor Newman of football.com. And uh, when we're looking at this week and Brittany, the Duke Blue Devils coming in 
Um, a lot of people up here, you know, they, Duke still kind of carries that reputation of being a uh, of being one of those teams that you just don't think of as a football powerhouse. But boy, did they assert themselves on Saturday with a 34-20 win over Georgia Tech. Uh, what were your thoughts going into that game, and what did Duke do that that really surprised you or gave you an impression? Yeah, that was a great game. Um, to be honest, walking into the game, and I know you've got Joey from the Rumble seat uh, coming up later. He's going to hate and hear me say this, but I, I really expected Georgia Tech to run away with that game. Duke has gotten better since David Cutcliffe has been there, but I had pretty high expectations this year for Georgia Tech. Um, so I was really, really surprised by the way that, that game turned out. I think the takeaway from that game, and certainly Joey will be able to speak to this a little bit later as well, but the takeaway from that game that would be most interesting to a Boston College fan is the way that Duke's defense was able to shut down the run game. They held Georgia Tech to the lowest rushing average they've had since 2011. Um, their line played a huge role in that, and then they've got two fantastic linebackers that jumped in there as well, Jeremy Cash, Dwayne Norman, um, a linebacker and a safety, I mean, both of them seniors. Uh, they played lights out. Georgia Tech was only able to convert um, five of 19 of their third downs, and then I think one of five of their fourth downs. I mean, they just were not able to be efficient at all. So to me, as a Boston College fan, that's the biggest takeaway from that game. Able to Brindy, do a couple... against a run and – go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say one one other thing is, is about that Duke team was that I, I think they owned in that game the, the time of possession too. So not only did they – own the run, but they kind of kept, uh, they kept Georgia. Anytime you can own a, a time of possession battle with Georgia tech in some capacity, I think that's a, uh, that's a huge win for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you, you know, as a, as a BC fan, I'm going to be looking at Flutie and the passing game and what, what can be pulled together quickly. Cause I think the saving grace as, as Flutie has tried to get his footing this last game has obviously been, well, and for the entire season, really, in general, as we talked about earlier, just the run game. But what is Adazio able to do in a week's time with passing? Because that is really, really going to be crucial to being able to get a couple of extra points on the scoreboard this week. One last question for you about Boston College in terms of the the Mm -hmm. Eagles this year. Uh, When you look at BC with their defense playing the way that they are, um, and you look at the way that the offense has either played or, or lack thereof, a uh, lack of consistency and continuity, how does that impact team chemistry, or does it? Or is that, again, that goes back to coaching or anything like that? You have two very distinct units, one that's very, very good, one that's very, very uh, – Steve Adazio used the word inconsistent. We've, we've used other words for it at times. Um, but when you look <laughs> at, the, at, the, at kind of the, the, the bulk of, of where the production is – does that impact anything in the locker room? Does that bring units together? Does that bring a little bit more of a support system from one side to the other? Um, what are your thoughts on, on kind of chemistry moving forward for BC? Well, locker room questions are always tricky because really the only people that know are the ones in the locker room. But what I've seen um, in teams that, I, that I've covered before is, you know, best case scenario, most of the time, hopefully in this case as well, the defense is sort of able to be a support unit for the offense. And defensive players tend to have that mentality anyways. If, look, okay, we'll shut them down. You guys get ready. You know, we'll see you back on the sideline when we trade off here in a minute. So defense is encouraging and positive, and there's not finger pointing in the locker room, which is what starts creating those divides and those walls. 
then I, I, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it actually would kind of give a little bit of support and relief to a freshman quarterback who's being thrown into the spotlight here to know, okay, you know, we we can keep the other team from scoring. You take a minute, catch your breath, get everything together. Um, so I, I think it most of the time works out to be a very positive thing, but if people get this finger pointing, um, then then that can be a problem. Now, usually where you see that kind of stuff happening is on your offense and not on your defense. So hopefully that will be the case with Boston College. Brittany Taylor Newman from football.com. Follow her online on Twitter at Brittany Taylor. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-E-E Taylor. Uh, what do you got going on this week up there on football.com? We'll give you we'll give you the time to, to plug what you got going on this week. Uh, some good stuff, I'm sure, coming up. We've been re- following and reading along, and it's been uh, it's been worth a follow. So, what do you got going on for us? <laughs> oh well, thank you very much for reading. Um, I've got a, a piece that went up today. Uh, we'll be chatting about FSU. They'll be at Wake Forest on Saturday. Um, we've got a piece going up tomorrow on Clemson Notre Dame, which is one of the games I'm most excited to see for the ACC, because I still think uh, that Clemson is going to be, you know, emerging from the ACC as probable contenders if an ACC team makes it into the playoffs. Uh, so big game there. Um, and I, I'm just excited to see some of the games this weekend for sure. Um, a couple of SEC matchups that I think are real interesting. We'll be looking at uh, the Alabama game at Arkansas, Tennessee, both those teams coming off key losses there, but for sure, the spotlight this week is on the ACC, which is always nice since I cover them. I love it when that happens. Uh, so we'll definitely be talking Clemson-Notre Dame on football.com all week long. Is uh, that Clemson-Notre Dame game, is that going to be the one that decides if the ACC gets the uh, gets the college football playoff later on this year? Or is that uh, if Clemson, like, are we putting the undue pressure on them yet or what? I am. Um, I'm looking at it. <laughs> I think if Clemson plays light, lights out, and makes a statement win and is then able to win out for the remainder of the season, then I think that that will be the win that, that announcers will keep pointing back to, um, especially just because of the type of season that Notre Dame has. It's a very visible season. So being able to beat them um, brings brings a lot of clout to your to your resume, which is needed in a conference like the A Playoff Committee treated Florida State uh, coming back as defending champs you know, the whole way through that first ranking uh, period, they had 20-plus wins, and they were still coming in at number three. So it's really important for ACC teams if they're going to be able to snag a playoff spot to be able to have statement wins on the resume. So those games count. Well, Brittany, thanks for calling in, and uh, thanks for uh, for providing the uh, the unbiased voice of reason on a hot week on Boston College football. We appreciate the call, as always. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we'll we'll do it. We'll do it again soon. That's uh, that's Brittany Taylor Newman from football.com. Again, follow her on Twitter at Brittany Taylor online. Uh, you, she does she does some great stuff, and uh, we will be sure to catch up with her at another at another juncture this season. Um, as the voice of reason always has to come from someone outside, AJ, and and we we do have Joey waiting on the line. We're a couple minutes behind in getting to him, but I'll let you just just break down a uh, very briefly. Uh, what did you think of some of the things that Brittany had to say? Um, you know, I thought she, she's she's got such a good grasp of college football, and it was interesting. I really enjoyed her her take on, um, you know, I, I was screening phone calls while some of this interview was going on, and one of the callers had called, and I apologized to him. He uh, hung up. He had that question that you raised about whether the chemistry for offense um, in defense will change get, given uh struggle on one side. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, 
you know, because I thought the same thing. You know, sometimes you see teams where one side of the ball is just so dominant and then the other team farts the ball away constantly and eventually that team will break down. I think of the Jets a lot like that. You know, the Jets were so good on defense and then you have Mark Sanchez or Geno Smith back there hawking the ball around and eventually the team starts to fall apart. But I was wondering, you know, is, I, you know, is that the same mentality in college? And it was interesting to have her take on that. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to keep the good times rolling here. And, and when we talk about voices of reason, nobody does a voice of reason quite like Joey Weaver from, from the rumble seat down there in Atlanta. He's based out of the Texas area though. Joey, we've, we've had a chance to talk several times up there on the, on the, on Mark Rogers TV. I know, uh, I hope that the headache is is, is worn off from uh, from Saturday. You know, maybe in a physical sense, although uh, you know, still in a bit of a spiritual sense, it's it's hanging around for sure. Well, we uh, we I I was watching that game on Saturday or following it along and and watching it on the phone and different bits and pieces and really it was you know Georgia Tech. You I know this was a game that you had mentioned that when we're talking about Duke in particular, we. Thought Something that this that this was a possibility that they could drop to Duke. They were on the road, but it was this kind of the same thing that happened against Notre Dame, where they came out stopped by Duke. Georgia Tech kind of like kept rest of the game, but just couldn't quite get there. What was kind of your take watching it unfold from the first quarter on through the end of the game? Yeah, you know that's kind of been the thing I've been saying uh, a lot of the week, a lot of this week in the aftermath is I don't know how much. Duke won the game so much as Georgia Tech lost it. Um, I mean, watching that game, I, I went back and rewatched it in the immediate aftermath, and I and I started telling people, I mean, if if you are something of an X's and O's sadist, I mean, this is your game to watch because Georgia Tech was not blocking anybody. The offensive line was just a disorganized mess. Uh, the perimeter blocking from some of the slot backs and wide receivers, I mean, it just wasn't happening. Um, I think in some cases it was a bit of an effort issue from, from certain individuals, but for the most part, I mean, it's hard to watch, man. It's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to fix it. Um, it's just, it, it, it's kind of mind blowing because you went from last year where, where the offensive line was, you know, maybe a top 15, top 20 unit in the country. Uh, you lose one guy to the NFL, replace him with a pretty good player in, in, uh, in Shamir Devine. And all of a sudden it's like they're, they're useless, and it's like, you know, you, it doesn't make sense when you've got three seniors, a junior, and a, and a strong backup playing now as a starter, and all of a sudden it's just a mess. And so um, Duke is, is is a very solid team from what we saw. You know, they they don't make a whole lot of mistakes, and the, and the defense is certainly, you know, very serviceable. It's about as good as I've ever seen from Duke. Uh, but I, I think I'm tempted to think that a lot more of that loss – falls on what Georgia Tech didn't do versus what Duke did do. Georgia Tech in their triple option offense, which I am uh which if you're gonna commit to it, I'm a big fan of it. When you when you think about Boston College and you think about power running and, and the the injuries that they've sustained to this point, um what can they learn from having watched Georgia Tech's offense um both struggle and have some success against Duke. They did have three hundred and sixteen yards of offense uh, but rarity, 143 of that, just about half, came from the passing game on six completions. Uh, when you're talking about the Georgia Tech offense and, and switching out of a trip, you know, from a pure triple option to a, to having a, a couple of passing attempts, 
if BC gets behind and has to go to the passing game, um, if you're a run-first offense, are you in some trouble against Duke? You know, I kind of have to think so. Uh, one of the guys that was an absolute nightmare for Georgia Tech on offense was actually Duke's safety, Jeremy Cash. Uh, I saw today that I think he's considered, you know, right now looking at like a top two-round draft pick, uh, you know, a top 60 or so pro- uh, prospect for the NFL next year. They were saying after that game that he's maybe the best pure football player on defense that Georgia Tech will see all year. Um, he was all over the field making tackles and causing havoc and, and mostly in the run game, but certainly if you start going to the passing game, I mean, he's, he's fully adept there as well. Uh, Duke's defense is is pretty, uh, pretty stingy. I mean, they don't give up a whole lot of ground, a whole lot of yardage, and so um, – you know, you you got to get your 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 yards and your points wherever you can because uh, they don't they don't give up a whole ton of opportunities for big plays and uh, and they they don't beat themselves for sure they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. When you think about uh, Georgia Tech the rest of the way and you think about the Coastal Division in particular, uh, I know at the beginning of the year I had said Georgia Tech was going to handle the Coastal Division, that it wasn't going to be as wide open as it has been in the past couple of years. Is it a source of parity that these teams are getting better, or is it that they're all in some capacity that's going to open up the division for pretty much anybody to to step to the front of the line? I definitely think I would say that that most every team in this division right now is fairly flawed in some way or another. Um, I I don't look at a whole bunch of these teams and think that, you know, this is a really good team and they just kind of lost to a really good team. I mean, you look at some of the losses that have been incurred so far. I mean, Pittsburgh losing to Iowa. I don't see Iowa as a, you know, real big, you know, major player on the national stage. Miami at home nearly giving away the game to Nebraska. I don't think that's because Nebraska is just really, really good. Um, and, you know, Duke losing to Northwestern, again, I don't think that's because Northwestern is really, really good. I saw something where the ACC Coastal actually leads all divisions in college football right now in losses with 10, I believe, or maybe it's Power 5 conferences or something like this. But, um, I, you know, I think that most of these teams are flawed in some way or another. And the other thing that I think is has been popping up around the entire country has been the injury bug. Uh, obviously, Boston College, no strangers to that, losing John Hillman already. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's gone around and it's gotten Georgia Tech. They've lost a lot of key skill position players and, um, and, and you know, and a key backup and your backup quarterback who's been a pretty reliable player. And so I think that's kind of kind of affected a lot of those teams as well in that coastal division. So it's, it is really very much up in the air. And like you said, I was kind of predicting the same, that Georgia Tech would take care of business and, and win the division, but unfortunately it's not looking like it's going to be quite that simple. Hey, Joey, it's AJ. Um, we have a, a, a fan that wants as a, a question for you. He wants to know, um, Duke the type of team, you know, that now that they've had some success that could jump in and be a little bit overconfident and overlook a team like Boston College, or are they a team that is going to be prepared and be ready for every game, uh, you know, that they're, they're facing off on? You know, given their recent history and the amount of success that they've had, it wouldn't shock me to see them overlook a Boston College. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that Cutcliffe is a good enough coach, and I think those kids are well coached enough that they won't really let that happen. That said, I, I'm not so sold on, on Duke being a favorite or, you know, really on which team will win that game on Saturday because 
I think both teams are constructed kind of similarly, you know, occasionally struggling offenses and, and pretty strong defenses. Um, you know, I, I saw the number today. It was like the over-under for the game was set at 39.5 points, and people are pretty comfortable taking the under on that. I think I see a low-scoring game, and I, I don't see Duke, you know, giving it away quite, you know, quite like that where it would, they would just be overlooking a Boston College. But then again, you never know. I mean, they've got – quite a bit of their their ACC coastal stretch coming up as well. So uh, might catch them looking ahead, although the following week they have Army. So, uh, you know, time will tell, I guess. We're talking with Joey Weaver from From the Rumble Seat. He's the head writer of the SB Nation Georgia Tech affiliate. Uh, you can catch him on Twitter at F-T-R-S, little L-I-L, Broy. Um, that is by far one of my favorite Twitter handles. I'll just throw that out there. Um, he can be read on fromtherumbleseat.com, the Georgia Tech SPN affiliate. You can also catch him on some Wednesdays during the, uh, during the, the season uh, as part of the Mark Rogers TV uh, affiliates that or stable of guys that are able to go on like myself. Uh, Joey, I've been had the opportunity of sharing the, uh, sharing the camera with every now and then. He made me look bad a couple of weeks ago, AJ. He, uh, you know, I got the bare naked wall behind me. He put the American flag up, and I was just now I'm the only one with nothing behind me. Uh, now I, I look like I'm in prison. I was just recording some of our uh, conversation too for FanCred. Um, we're doing a live telecast with them too, and you all you can see behind me is my blue wall. I I'm in the same boat as you, Dan. Yeah, Joey, you're making us both look bad. So, you know, when it comes to Wednesday nights, it just you're, you're making us both look bad. Well, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll probably take it down next time then. <laughs> so, thank <you>. Thanks. <laughs> hey, thanks. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you I'll, I'll give you the uh, the prediction for uh, for Georgia Tech this year. We'll let you we'll let you uh, to to close it out. What do you what do you got going on this week on uh, on from the Rumble seat and uh, what can fans if they want to tune in for some good ACC content? What do you got going on there with the Ramblin' Wreck? Yeah, it's uh, very much an uncomfortable time to be a Georgia Tech fan. Don't really know what we're going to get out of, of the team moving forward. Um, I'm like you said, I'm based in Texas. I, I live in Houston right now, but I'm actually flying in for the game this weekend against North Carolina. I have no idea what to expect or what we're going to see. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that the offense kind of pulls it together, and I, I think it could be kind of therapeutic to to put up a big number on the scoreboard and, and get the offense back to rolling, you know, where it was before the Notre Dame game. We'll, we'll have to see, though. Um, I think I think North Carolina is probably a noticeably less uh, less impressive defense, we'll say, than uh, than what we've seen from Notre Dame and Duke. And so, if it's going to happen, it's there, but. At the same time, you know, they're they're probably going to get a lot of points with that offense, you know, in some way or another, and so Tech's going to have to score to win. And as far as moving forward, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, conjoined pieces with other other blogs on on the SB Nation network. We do Q and A's every week, you know, trying to get get more uh, you know up and up close and personal previews of, of different opponents and such. Uh, we do some fun over unders for each game, and uh, we have some real good uh, during and post-game conversations that are always the uh, the peak of rationality, I like to say. So um, I definitely would recommend stopping by, even if even if you're not a Tech fan or a fan of the team we're playing. It's uh, it's a pretty fun community to be a part of, and we like to have a good time. And, and I'd like to think that at least the rest of the staff does good work, and I just try to keep up. Well, Joey Weaver from From the Rumble Seat, the Georgia Tech affiliate on SB Nation, uh, 
Enjoy, enjoy. We're getting 50 degrees up here this week, and it's going to rain and be nasty. So uh, enjoy, hopefully, much better weather than what we're going to have. You know, after a summer in Houston, that actually sounds kind of nice. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Good luck to you. Good. Thanks. You, you, you too, Joey. That, again, that's Joey Weaver from From the Rumble Seat. Catch him on Twitter at FTRS Lil Broey. Uh, we've had a guy sitting on the lines, AJ, so we'll come back and, and digest some of what's going on there. But we will immediately jump right into the phones again. We've had a guy on the line from the 774 area code. Good, sir. Thanks for calling in. And more importantly, uh, thanks for waiting on us. Yeah, um, no problem. I, I just wanted to talk about like the coming out BC Duke game and uh, how like, the offensive line is going to contain uh, Jeremy Cash. And like, what are you guys' predictions for the game? AJ, do you want to do you want to grab this off the top? Uh, I'll let you go with your predictions first. Yeah, um, I I, I, uh, I foresee um, a very very low scoring game. I don't think BC is going to be able to move the ball. Um, I hate to be doom and gloom. I did, I was the only jerk that wrote uh, that picked NIU to beat BC last week, so I had to you know I'll take my comeuppance for that. But um, I think they're going to struggle uh, moving the ball. Uh, Jeremy Cash is a is an elite defensive player and. You know, FSU had a good defense um, on that defensive line. I can't think of anyone as good as Cash. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to give BC all sorts of matchup problems, especially with Frank Taylor. They, you know, I just looked at the depth chart. They they slotted guys all over the place this week. They got um, John Baker's going to be center this week. Uh, Chris Lynch, Lindstrom, who, uh, again, is a great talent, but he's very young and raw, making some mistakes out there. Um, I, I foresee that offensive line having a little bit of trouble against this new front, front five. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and I'll I'll kind of look at it from the other side of things when we talk about the, this uh, this game, and I'm going to look at it more from the defense against the Duke offense. Um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see. I know that BC has played at an elite level through the first four games of the season. Uh, I do also believe that Duke is going to uh, Duke is going to throw a lot at them. I've always felt that um, Steve Adazio has a lot of a uh, lot of stuff in the database on Florida State. He's always played well from a defensive standpoint against the Seminoles, uh, taking away the, the, the couple of times, the couple of drives that really hurt them uh, two years ago and last year, the fourth quarter drive. But we know that BC uh, was a tough fourth quarter team last year. Um, so taking the Florida State game and, and assuming that they don't really know a whole lot about Duke in, in real game action. They haven't played Duke under Steve Adazio and they haven't played them uh, in this recruiting cycle. So this is all new. It goes new on both sides. Uh, Thomas Sirk is starting to assert himself in the offense. I don't think he's a particularly elite passer. He only had a QBR of 25.3 based off of last week uh, against Georgia Tech, but he can kill you with his feet. And anytime you have a guy that's capable of doing that and is very raw, what I fear is that he has enough weapons with Shaq Powell, with, uh, with a couple of different guys out there, Max McCaffrey, John L. Barnes, um, T.J. Roming, who caught a touchdown pass, it was his only catch. Chris Taylor had a couple catches. Uh, these are Duke starting to to take those steps forward on offense that the Brittany kind of mentioned. Teams are starting to do at this point, and what I fear is that they make a jump and it comes at the expense of the BC defense. That said, the BC defense is still very elite, and even even in that case, could probably still shut them down enough to stay in the game. Uh, what do you what do you think? I think we lost them. <laughs> I think we I think we lost them. It's 
it's all right. I, I pitched it, and I don't think I was pitching it to to anything. I, I don't think I was actually pitching it to anybody. But you know, hey, it's it <laughs> not my finest hour this day, AJ. Oh, that's okay. It's been a busy day. We've had lots of callers today. It's been a good show. It has been a good show. And, you know, I, I'll throw this out there and we talk, you know, about this game. And we'll go back to what Joey talked about. And, and I mentioned this to Brittany um, during her call. As I said, how Duke really won the, the, the ball control battle against Georgia Tech, um, which is to say that they didn't get creamed in time of possession. Uh, Georgia Tech still held the ball for 10 minutes more than Duke. Uh, they held it for 35 minutes to 24 minutes. But Georgia Tech is the ball control offense. I mean, they go out and they own bulk and they own time of possession against uh, Notre Dame. You know, when they also lost, I think that they all they they had dominated time of possession at some point there. They held the ball, or similarly, Notre Dame won that battle. They were within five minutes. With a team like BC that's predicated on ball control and predicated on holding on to that football for long periods of time. Duke might not let them do that. And if you are able to sustain a drive, finishing that drive is going to be huge for BC. Yeah, and I think it's going to take some ingenuity to, to, to make sure you finish those drives. You know, I'm all about, you know, the if, if, the, if the ground pound is effective, if they're getting four or five yards of carry, then all the power to them. If they're struggling, they've got to start to think of some other things. You know, maybe a gadget play here and there. I know Adazio – it doesn't seem like he's pulled a few of those out this year. It seems like we've seen a few of the Sherm Alston reverses, but I'd love to see him be a little bit more, uh, you know, creative with some of those gadget plays that may get, you know, spring a guy loose if that's the case. Um, and, and, and that short, short on intermediate stuff, you know, I mentioned it in my, uh, my weekly cheers and jeers. It feels to me like the, the wide receivers are, are running fly routes up, up and down the fields, you know, just run uh, up, you know, 20 yards down and streaking down the field. And I don't think the wide res- that's the, the strength of this team. You know, if you had a, a wide receiver like an A.J. Green or a Calvin Johnson that can get up there and get those balls or someone fast like Julian Edelman that can blast past people, that's one thing. I don't see that on the, with this group. You get guys that are getting jammed at the line. They're not very uh, – they're not – overly fast that can blast past receivers and you got a quarterback that are struggling with accuracy. So I'd love to see BC, you know, they had success that last game against NIU with uh, some short crossing routes over the middle with Swigert with um, Sherm Alston had a nice catch up the middle. You know, they're going to get those catches. If they're going to give those up, you know, you know, you're going to get 20, 30 yards off some of them. And that, that could be a big difference for BC. Yeah, you know, I feel like that talking about the BC offense, it's exactly right. I know you and I were talking uh, offline after the game, kind of knee-jerk reaction-wise, and the first thing we noticed was I don't think BC ran a couple – I think they ran one or two slants the entire game. And, you know, when you have when you have a speed receiver who can take the top off the defense, you know, a guy who can – who's six foot three, six foot four, has can jump or ju- win a jump ball – you're going to be able to run those fly routes up the sideline. But unfortunately, Boston College doesn't have that. And and this goes back to, you know, and, and the caller that, that called in before we were talking to Brittany. And I do feel like I hung up on him a little bit, and I feel kind of bad for that. Steve Adazio has always game-planned to the guys that are there. And he's starting to put his own guys in play and starting to put his own guys in place. 
Um, you have a guy like Elijah Robinson, who's six foot two, a converted quarterback. You saw what he could do in the fact that you were throwing it to him and he was able to get downfield. He didn't break in on any of these routes and he didn't really catch anything. He, I don't even think he came, I don't think he came down with any catches, but you have guys like Thad Smith, short receivers who can cut inside and make fleet, fleet footed pass routes. You know, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback who ever lived in my opinion, and in most opinions. Steve Adazio said, well, we don't have time. What? He's a cheater. (laughs) Yeah, dude. He never cheated. Oh, wait, that's the Boston accent. We love him up here. Free Brady, screw Goodell. Um, When we talk about, which, which honestly I've said several times, but when we talk about the Patriots passing game, which is a spread five wide, they don't run the ball at all. Tom Brady has made his percentages in throwing the ball over the middle or in these intermediate routes in the middle of the field. Steve Adazio has openly said, we don't have Tom Brady. We're not opening up five wide and doing that. So I think you need to at least get work to get these guys open because they're not going to do it on their own. And, I mean, right now, they're not completing passes. I, you know, they're just not – because they're not running the right routes. I don't think it's a situation – I don't think Jeff Smith is 0 for 2 because he can't throw the ball. I don't think uh, Troy Flutie is a QBR of 8.9 because he can't throw the ball. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, play selection, how the guys are playing, how the routes are run, that it's a combination of everything that over time needs to come together. I don't necessarily think it happens right away, but I think it's something that we need to look for in development over the course of the season out of some of the receivers, some of the quarterbacks, Ignore the injury bug for a little bit and say, next guy up, next guy needs to be able to do it. Unfortunately, the injury bug hasn't allowed for any continuity. Yeah, you know, I think the, that, that offensive line is, you know, we, we talk about what the play calling is, what the schemes are. I think it's all irrelevant. If, if the offensive line is not blocking, you can, you can have Tom Brady back there and he's going to get killed. You know, maybe he's a little bit. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. You got two young quarterbacks up there back there. They're gonna need time, and you have an offensive line that is letting guys through. They're not getting good push off the line. It's getting better, but I think that's gonna dictate any offensive you know success that we have moving forward. Well, we do have a call on the line that we're gonna get to here from the eight six zero area code. Make sure you call in here at six four six. 200-0446. You can put down your phone from trying to FaceTime your buddy's girlfriend long enough to come in here and give us a call at the 860. We're going down. Are you down in Connecticut? I believe that's your area code. How you doing? What's up, guys? Hey, thanks Thanks for calling in. What do you got for us? You are live with Dan and AJ here on BCI Radio. Okay, first of all, um, before I tell you who you're talking to, I just want to thank one of you guys because every time I watch your show, since I've let Boston College come under the Team Outlaw umbrella, you have really been a supporter of my son, which is Marcus Outlaw. How are you, sir? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, what's going on, fellas? Well, this is what I want to say because I know the time is short. But that I'm trying to tell you something. Don't sleep on the Outlaw train. This is what we do, baby. We got John. We love John. We love the whole team. We love the whole coaching staff. We love Boston. We love it all. So we're here to ride out 
and put the Eagles where they need to be and get these damn Ws. Excuse my language, because this is what <laughs> we do. Yeah, that is that is fine by me. Like I said, it's uh it's a process and it's one of the things that I know I, I've tried to stress. The frustrations do come out. I mean, we do get frustrated at times with things and you know, but it's a process and I think that's part of the part of what sometimes people forget, but I what I hope they don't lose sight of is that it's only four games into a season with a young team, with a young uh with young players who who really haven't had that continuity yet. And uh, hopefully they can they can really put this together, get back to a bowl game, and and see where this goes because this is only year one of what I feel is a very long process. Yes, and what I want to tell all the people: if you fans, be fans. Don't be on and off the fence. Don't be wishy washy where I'm from because I'm real. We really from Philly, so don't be. We we fly with the Eagles all day. That was the reason why we chose the team. We from Philly. We love the Eagles. Eagles fly high, baby. And this is another thing. Stick with your team. We gonna make this thing happen. We young. We three and one. We only lost to Florida State by fourteen points. The mighty Florida State. Get them chops out of here. This is what we about to do. We about to turn it around and we about to do the thing. And that's all I gotta say, man. We this is what we about. This is why we do what we do. I coach. Defense wins games. Don't worry about points. You gonna get points. You gonna score. Defense wins games. Any coach know defense wins games. If you could stop somebody from scoring, I don't care if it's one to nothing, two to nothing, get a safety. We win. All right, guys, thanks for the call. Thanks for accepting my call. And anytime you want me to call in, all you need to do is holler at your boy because I'm always listening. Hey, I was all glad right. to have you on board. And uh, the shake era is upon us. That's what, I, that's what I used in the preseason. The shake era is coming. Yes, dude. Thank you for representing, man. I love you, kid. I always watch you. Me and my wife, I'll be like, there we go. At least somebody know. We 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 ain't on we we ain't get we ain't playing we ain't playing there not to play. We ain't playing there not to do. Our time <laughs> has come and we're about to shake it up and then we'll hear we'll, we'll talk another time. We'll talk next week. That's all I'm gonna say. Sounds all right, thank you. Sounds good. Me. Thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. All right, guys, have a good night. You too. I cannot believe that just happened. I think for the first time in my broadcasting career, I am going to be speechless right now, Mr. AJ Black. That was that was pretty cool. I got to say, I, I'm not I'm not a starstruck type of person, but to have you know even just the players, you know, parents calling in, that's pretty cool. And to think that they're actually listening to us, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he's totally right because you know me and you we. We've had it for these running backs for for a while now. We've been big fans of these guys, and I've been pushing for Marcus for a while. I I, I love his style of play. I think he's going to be a a really good running back, and I love how he compliments John Hilleman. And I you know I was saying it earlier this week. I think I'm I'm waiting for him. I hope he's healthy. I'm waiting for him to really jump out and uh, make that big step this weekend. I I I was hoping he'd be the starting running back. I'm not sure he will be with Rouse, but. You know, I, I you know if he gets his touches, he's going to make a big difference. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I what I said after the after the Florida State game, and and this is what I come back to because you know we we were mad last week at some of the reactions during the week. Um, my kickoff last week to to the NIU game, and I kind of got back to this again this week um, in terms of our kickoff on on BC interruption with Duke was I said, you know, this is 
this was not a bad team they played last week. And, you know, they hung with, with Florida State. And, you know, we we were talking last week. You know, if you look at our reactions, two weeks ago we were talking. There was no fear. There was no false bravado. But we didn't know what BC was the team and we knew, as a team. And we knew, like I said, the first seeds would be sown after that. A week later, the fan pulse changed considerably and almost immediately. But when you're talking about this in, in the sixth sense of humor of, of, of how things can swing in a week, I said, you, you know that, the, that the, there was a message from the fans that they thought that the offense was in disarray, the play calling was terrible, the defense can't win you games, et cetera, et cetera. So what I said was that, you know, you go back to the speech that Coach Adazio had last year, play on the edge of the coin. You, you can't play in the middle. You can't play on the edge. And for the first three weeks, it felt a little bit conservative and almost like they were afraid to lose. I looked for last week for this team to play hard and try to shut up some of the doubters, and I felt that they did. Now, I understand that there are some injuries, and I understand that they're not where you would expect them to be based off of what you saw in the first two years. But at the same time, these are a bunch of young guys who are putting it together for the first time. You bury the Florida State game and you move on. Now, what I said this week was very similar, which was you've done things that are positive. You've done positive you, – you had a good running game. Not a great running game, but you had a good running game. The line wore down the opponent against NIU. The quarterback did just enough to win the game. He threw a touchdown pass, and he only scored two touchdowns. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is. Uh, you're dealing with all of these injuries. But I saw the power running game run angry again on Saturday, and I said that the emotion needed to run high, get away from the boo birds at the end of the first half, get away from it all, come up pumped up, come up yelling, and get back into remaining angry and get on to Duke. And I think that's what people sometimes miss, AJ, is that they expect this team to go out and win every single game, which, you know what, that's great. I'm glad that they have those expectations. I'm glad that they think so highly of where the team should be. But at the same time, realistically, when you take a step back and you look at the holes and look at the development – this is a three-year process out of this team that starts this year, not last year, this year because of the personnel groupings and everything that we've seen. Yeah, uh, again, patience. But I-, I loved his passion about the team. And I wish our fans would have that too. Um, I- sometimes I get the feeling that some people like to complain more than actually want the team to succeed. I want to see, you know, I- I- believe me, is BC perfect right now? They're not. But, I, you know, I don't see the excitement out of some of the fans that we should be. The team is young. They're going to make mistakes. But there are kids out there, you know, they're buying into Adazio system. They're, they're busting their butts out there. They're, they're in every game. We, and, and sometimes that, that big difference can be the home field advantage. And if you're sitting on your hands and, and complaining about running the football all the time, that ain't going to help. But cheering and screaming and yelling, that could. So, I don't know. I, I, I get some frustrations of the team, but these kids need our support. I've said this for three years now on this show. The kids need our support. If you want the elite, you know, recruits to come here, and if you want the kids to stay here that are here, they need to know that the fan base cares about them. And just complaining and rumbling about stuff isn't showing them that they care. It just shows that you complain. 
Yep, and and part of and you know what we can put stuff on the coaches that we disagree with the play calling. That's part of being a fan. We're not in the meeting room. We're not in his brain. Ultimately, it's his decision, and we're allowed to disagree with it. I don't think he would ever disagree with us, Steve Adazio. I think he tries to to explain things to the media in a very good way, and 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 that's part of my what I like about him as a head coach. Um, I feel that when we talk about Boston College as a team and we talk about things, we're not taking away from the players' development when we talk about, you know, that we disagree with some of the play calls or disagree with how it went at the end of the first half. Um, you know, we, we poke fun at it a lot. We have some fun with it. We're very sarcastic like that. We're very glib. But I don't think at the end of the day, if you asked me a question and you said, this is what you need to say or what, this is what, whatever you say now is what I'm going to take, we would give you the honest opinion, which is maybe there's a part of us that doesn't agree with the way the offense is set up. Maybe we would like to see the team throw 70 times a game. But that's not the way they're set up. Arguing that point just doesn't work because the, it's not going to change. And if you're going to try to change it because of that, you're going to find yourself very disappointed. And I think that's what some fans really and truly need to realize. Seriously, let's take away the joking for a second. We'll go real talk, you know. We'll get serious on this point. If you're going to expect something different, you're going to find yourself very, very angry. And based off of the first two years, trusting the process and disagreeing with the way it's going in are two totally different things. You can disagree with parts of the process, but you need to trust that they know what they're doing because there's a million different ways to get to 10 wins. Yeah, and I loved uh, Mr. Outlaw's point of, don't worry about the points. The defense is going to take care of it. We'll get our points. I, I, I'm, I, I get tired of the style points. And, you know, and again, I'm not being snarky here. But as some of us have said, if you're going in there expecting BC to throw the ball 30 to 40 times, you're going to gripe. You're going to complain. You're not going to be happy. You've got to trust. Uh, Adazio has taken – a two and ten team and made them back to back bowl uh, eligible teams. They lost one of them on a bad kick. That in a, it is what it is. Now we're on to a new year and we're three and one and we're still complaining. I don't understand why we have to have a specific type of offense. This team is doing fine the way it is. We we again we lost to FSU by fourteen points. It wasn't a great looking game. But I still think that BC is going to be in there for every game this season. And I think, you know, we need to have some faith in Adazio a little bit, you know. And and that's not – and just because we criticize the play calling, don't mistake that as being not trusting him. I think what we would do and what he would do might be two different things in two different, thing, in two different situations, things and things. Look at me. I'm using – English language is not easy. But we'll learn more about this team as the as the year goes on. You know, Coach Adazio said it in in his remarks, and he said it last week when when I said you know he came out a little feisty and a little angry in his Monday remarks, and he said I've never given you guys coach speak. What I'm telling you is not coach speak. He's never given us a reason, AJ, to discredit what he says as coach speak. Sometimes it comes out that way, but I'm starting to believe that that's the way he really feels. Is that the way I would run my football team if I were the head coach? in play calling and in personnel groupings, maybe not. Maybe I would do something different. Maybe I would be more balanced. Maybe I would throw the ball more. I don't know. I'm not the head coach. I don't know how these guys practice. I'm not at the practices. I'm not seeing all of it. 
But I think when you look at this team and you look at the way this sets up, you, you can disagree. It is perfectly fine to disagree and not take away from these players, especially because this defense, we, get, we have not talked about the defense. Thomas Sark, I, I, I do not believe BC will win on, on Saturday. I, I've said that. I think to, this week will be a step back. But I think if they need to lose on Saturday to go out and beat Virginia Tech and NC State at home at the end of October and beginning of November, and if that gets them over the hump against Notre Dame, it's a work in progress. This is year one of what I feel is a three-year process. I had said six and six from the beginning. I'm going to go with six and six, and that's kind of what I'm going on. I don't think that it's a bad thing if you go six and six. People are predicting eight, nine wins. I don't think that was a tempered expectation. Yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, someone had said that, you know, they were hoping for 10 wins. I saw someone that said we should be a national title contender every year. You know, that's that's great uh, lofty thinking, but I don't think it's very realistic. Um, you know, I, would I love BC to be a national contender every year? That would be great, but it's not, you know, it's not what we're going to be looking at. Now, when we're talking about Adazio's mind frame, his, his thought process and the way that he's constructing this team makes a lot of sense to me. On the offensive side of the ball, you want an offense that's going to drain a lot of clock. You're not going to be the most talented offense, but it's controlling the ball, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and a defense that keeps that offense, I mean the opposing offense, off the field, and it's going to keep the, the score low. That makes a lot of sense, and I know it's not the flashiest way to win football games, but, again, you don't have to win. We're not expecting BC to win 42 nothing every week. If they can win 21-10 to 10, – and hold the defense, uh, hold their off, opposing offenses to, you know, small amount of yards, a win is a win. That's all that's all that's going to matter in the end. And I think that process and the way that his philosophy works may be something that works once he has the personnel in place. And it actually will look good. It'll, it'll be a, a very, you know, it's a very um, common sense approach. You know, my my last my last point, or just to to explain it a little bit more, is uh, and then we're running we're running low on time here, so we've got to wrap things up with with kind of some final thoughts and some and some stuff for the rest of the week. Um, you know, we we look at at this Boston College team, and and Grant already called me out for it, and I said, you know, losing to Duke may help them later on in the uh, later on in the in in the season. And what I said was that six and six, I had broke it down to have two wins. In order to get to seven and five, you needed to have two wins over Virginia Tech, NC State, and Duke out of that grouping. Now, I don't think Boston College is going to win seven games. I think that I said I, everybody knows what I've said about the games they're going to win, and everyone says knows the games that I said they're going to lose. When we talk about six and six or seven and five. I think out of that grouping, Virginia Tech and NC State are back-to-back games at home, and it's coming at an opportune moment when they'll be coming maybe off the game against Louisville and the game against Clemson. You know, They'll be going into that game based off the should-win, should-loss theory that I gave at the beginning of the year with back-to-back losses. They'll need to win those two games with ND and Syracuse left on the season. So, AJ, what I think, and just to explain that a little bit further, is that you lose the game to Duke because your team isn't fully developed into what it's going to be this year. 
I think when you go back and you look at the film, you get John Hilleman back later in the year. You know, Marcus Outlaw will have more carries. Miles Willis will be healthier. Tyler Rouse will be have more experience. The two quarterbacks maybe will have won by that point, but those two quarterbacks will have more snaps. I think how they play on Saturday will develop them to later in the year. And if they lose on Saturday against Duke, which I think, in all honesty, I, I, I'm going to predict it this week that they're not going to beat Duke. But later on in the year, the snaps that they take now will help them later in the year in that regard. And I feel that that is going to be a good thing that maybe gets them to the seven wins when you talk about NC State and Virginia Tech. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, sometimes, you know, a, a hard loss is what, you know, turns a season around for a, a young team. Um, I mean, the Patriots fan, we saw what happened with the Chiefs game last year. That was a, a tough game to watch in general, but, you know, I think that that helped the team to refocus and to understand where their strengths and weaknesses were to get themselves set for a more consistent run after that. Um, I'm interested to see. Um, I have to think sometimes, too, that BC has already learned some lessons from the last two games, from the Florida State loss, from the NIU win, um, about what their team is about and what they need to do to win these games. So it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they make, um, you know, on the offensive line, especially going into this game against Duke. Well, Big weekend coming up uh, down in Durham. It's the first road game for Boston College this season as they take on the Blue the Blue Dew Devils. Yeah, now, now we're talking. It's the Duke Blue Devils, DBD, Duke Blue Devils, uh, down there. A 3.30 start on the Raycom Sports Network. It'll be on Nesson Plus locally up here in the Boston area. Uh, big weekend at the Heights, though. Uh, I know Grant is very happy about this. Women's hockey is back. They're hosting Minnesota Duluth. A 7 p.m. start on Friday and a 3 p.m. start on Saturday. The Lady Icers taking care of Guelph 5-1. to one. The Canadian school uh, coming down and taking care of business now over at Walter Brown in the exhibition. Meanwhile, the men's team Saturday night will take on the University of New Brunswick in an exhibition game. That game to be played at the Heights as well over there in Connie Forum. I know uh, a bunch of our guys are heading over and they're going to check out that game. So hockey season is getting underway. And, uh, you know, hey, is a, the winter crossover is picking up. Soccer season well in the swing of things. They will host Wake Forest on Friday night over at the Newton campus before they head off to Brown next week. Uh, AJ, it's an exciting week up here at BC, but, of course, football the main highlight on Saturday um, your final thoughts heading into heading into the rest of this week. Um, I think the big the big um, the big uh, game point going into this game is definitely going to be ball control. Um, turnovers are going to be huge, especially if this weather is going to be as bad as they they say it's going to be. Um, BC cannot turn the ball over, especially on their half of the field, um, if they expect to win. The the worst thing that they can do against a team like Duke is to turn the ball over and give them uh, put their defense against the line again, like kind of like what they did against NIU last week. Saw what happened there. They gave up points. It's, the conditions are set up where it's going to be even harder for them uh, to hold up the ball. On the other hand, it's going to be ball control on the other side too. If BC can turn some uh, turn some turnovers into some points for uh, against Duke, you know they could easily sneak some points in. Um, hopefully uh, against the Blue Devils at home. So I, I think that's going to be the key to the game. It's going to be that turnover battle. And uh, just as the last point uh, for me uh, from the weather side of it, 
you know, hey, if you can get down there, Tobacco Road is a great place to watch a game, and 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 the schools down there are are passionate and great. Uh, Duke is uh, does not draw great, and uh, hopefully their fans, uh, for their sake, can get behind the team. And if you're heading down from BC, enjoy the game, enjoy North Carolina. And uh, AJ, there's only one other thing left to say. Heading into 3:30 on Saturday, go Eagles. Go Eagles, folks. We'll talk to you next week right here live, 8 p.m. on Tuesday nights. Catch us on BCI Radio. We'll talk to you then, folks. Uh, Have a great rest of your week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.